A group of samurai were on duty, guarding the borders of their lord's town. They camped in the forest, huddled around a fire at night to keep warm. As they sat around the fire, they swapped tales. One samurai said these woods were terrorized by a Yuki Anba, and that she had been seen recently. His companions laughed and chided him for believing in children's stories. Eventually, one of the warriors excused himself and headed into the dark forest to relieve himself. As he went further into the forest, he saw the dim outline of a beautiful woman clutching a tiny baby. He approached cautiously and saw that she was crying. The woman asked the samurai to please hold her small child and protect him from the cold. The samurai was moved to sympathy by the scene and took the baby in his arms. To his surprise, it was colder than the snow around him and stuck fast to his arms. He could not put it down. The child also grew immensely heavy and the warrior fell to his knees under its weight. The last thing he saw on earth was the woman's tears fading and a broad smile growing across her face. Tale of the Yuki Amba and Yukinko number two from HayakuMonogatari.com. Chase down your ghost sandals and be wary of strange umbrellas as we return to the land of the rising sun to examine even more of the monsters that lurk in the shadows of Japanese folklore on this mini-sode of Snipe Hunt. Welcome back to Snipe Hunt, your frightening folklore podcast. I'm your host, Darren Young. On these minisodes, I usually cover topics that don't quite have enough content to do a full episode on, and I usually go for a more serious tone. I say usually, because this time this minisode is actually a follow-up to a full episode we did, episode 13, Weird Yokai of Japan. I also try to be a little bit more serious on these, but this is going to be difficult due to the bizarre and humorous nature of tonight's subject. If you listen to episode 13, you'll know what I mean. I highly recommend you listen to the full yokai episode before you listen to this one, because on this minisode, we'll be talking about even more weird yokai. Gary will not be joining us for this one, but he'll be back for the next full episode. Please keep in mind that I will most likely mispronounce every Japanese word in this minisode, but I promise that I will try my best. And with that, let's jump right into it. As a refresher, here's the definition of yokai, courtesy of yokai.com. Yokai are strange and supernatural creatures from Japanese folklore. The word is a combination of the characters yo, attractive, bewitching, calamity and kai, mystery or wonder. Many different English words have been used as translations. Yokai is sometimes translated as monster, demon, spirit, or goblin, but it can encompass all of that and more. The world of yokai also includes ghosts, gods, transformed humans and animals, spirit possession, urban legends, and other strange phenomena. It is a broad and vague term and nothing exists in the English language that quite describes it. Like samurai, geisha, ninja, and sushi, yokai is one of those words that just works better in its native tongue. Also a reminder that yokai.com is run by the talented Matthew Mercer, and you can find a link to his Patreon on the website. 
now that we're all caught up, let's get to the first yokai. I think it's pronounced Narahian. Yes, Narahian, whose name can be translated as Slippery Gourd. Let's hear the description from, you guessed it, yokai.com. Narahian is a mysterious and powerful yokai encountered all across Japan. Appearances can be deceiving, and Narahian is the perfect illustration of that saying. Overall, he is rather benign looking, with his head elongated and gourd shaped. His face is wizened and wrinkled, resembling a cross between an old man and a catfish. He wears elegant clothing, often a splendid silk kimono or the rich robes of a Buddhist abbot, and carries himself in the quiet manner of a sophisticated gentleman. Alright, so what exactly makes him a yokai? So far he just sounds like an old man with a big, almost melon-like head. Well, during hectic times, he shows up to a house in the evening and slips in without anyone noticing. He then makes himself at home, helping himself to the family's tea and generally acting like he owns the place. When he is finally noticed by the owners of the house, the owners seem to be under some sort of hypnosis where they believe that the Narahion is the actual master of the home. Once the yokai has fully indulged himself, he leaves and the real owners see him off by bowing and waving goodbye to the yokai. Only once the yokai has left do the owners begin to suspect that something was wrong. This comically portrayed yokai is actually far more powerful than it appears at first glance. The Narahion is known as the supreme commander of all monsters and is treated as royalty, being carried around on a palanquin by other yokai. He commands respect from the other yokai and they always heed his words and treat him as an esteemed elder. He leads yokai meetings as well as the parade of the Night of 100 Demons as mentioned in the yokai episode. Now, whether the Narahion deserves this respect from the other yokai or it is just a product of his supernatural power of forcing others to perceive it as a master is yet to be determined. This yokai's status, royal garb, and comical appearance has led to the theory that the Narahion is a political cartoon that represents the Japanese aristocracy. Our next yokai is the Rokurokubi. Now the interesting thing about these creatures is that they were once human but were transformed into yokai by a curse or a punishment from the gods. And the most interesting thing is, the Rokurokubi often don't even know that they are a yokai. Now this curse only affects women, perhaps the woman sinned against the gods, nature, or society. Sometimes men that are close to the affected woman, such as a husband or father, is the one who commits the sin, but the woman is punished instead. The true form of this yokai presents itself when the cursed woman is asleep. Their neck will stretch to impossible length, allowing the head to roam freely while the body stays asleep. The head and neck, which now have a mind of their own, will roam about, sometimes attacking small animals, drinking lamp oil, or just scaring people nearby. Those affected are often unaware that this nighttime yokai activity is even happening. Now, the Rokurokubi has a more violent variation called the Nukakubi. There are two noticeable differences between the two. The first being that the Nukakubi's head completely detaches from the body rather than having a stretchable neck. The second being that the Nukakubi has an insatiable craving for blood. They will often suck the blood of their victims like a vampire 
or even just tear the victim apart with their teeth. Unfortunately, a woman under the curse of the Nukakubi was often sold off, forced to live in brothels, or forced to commit suicide to preserve the honor of the family. Fortunately, however, these yokai are thought to be invented for entertainment purposes, such as characters in a story, rather than originating from any real folk beliefs. Moving right along, our next yokai is also an exclusively female variety. It might just set off a common phobia that you may have. This one is the Jurugumo, or the Entangling Bride. The Jurugumo is actually a golden orb weaver spider. These spiders can grow quite large and build huge strong webs to entangle their prey, which is of course, insects. But according to Japanese myth, when these spiders come to be 400 years old, they grow tired of insects and move on to human prey. These yokai are masters of deception. They will shapeshift into a beautiful woman and invite young men back to its lair. The spider will then ensnare the man in inescapable silk threads, inject venom to weaken the victim, and then feed off the man for several days. They can control lesser spiders like an evil ant-man, even a fire-breathing variety which they use to attack the homes of suspicious neighbors. A Jurogumo can even live in a heavily populated city, being so cunning that they can operate their cruel scheme for years without being noticed. Although the Japanese characters, or kanji, for this yokai means woman spider or entangling bride, this translation was added later as its original meaning was whore spider. Now both real history and legends have been extremely misogynistic, and that's pretty apparent from the last couple of yokai, but there is a male spider yokai called the Tsuchigumo. This name translates into earth spider, and are a bit more bizarre in appearance. As mentioned in their Wikipedia article, they appeared to people as having faces of an oni, a body of a tiger, arms and legs of a spider, and wore giant outfits. They all lived in mountains, firmly captured travelers with strings, and ate them. These yokai could also shapeshift and cast powerful illusions to lure their victims into a false sense of security. Next, we have the mysterious Umibozu. During calm nights on the peaceful sea, the sailors would be at ease sailing on smooth waters. Suddenly, large waves will appear from nowhere and the wind will blow and toss the ship about. These are signs that the Umibozu is emerging from the sea. With a giant bald head like that of a monk, and large serpentine body shrouded in shadow, this yokai rises up to terrorize sailors. Its size is nearly unimaginable, its enormous black head being the only thing visible as it rises from the dark water. It resembles a mix between a dog, a sea serpent, and an octopus with two large bulging eyes and a permanent smile affixed to its face. Its goal is usually to destroy the ship it appears before, using its large mass to crush the ship, often in a single blow. But sometimes it will play with its prey before drowning them. It will first demand a barrel from the crew, then use that barrel to scoop water into the ship until it sinks. But you can outsmart this yokai, by giving it a barrel without a bottom. This will temporarily confuse the creature and buy some time for the sailors to escape. 
The origin of the Umibozu is uncertain, but some say that it is the manifestation of priests who drowned at sea and haunt the area of their untimely death, hence the translation of its name, Sea Monk. Others speculate that it is an enormous sea creature and the father of all aquatic yokai. Our next monster is an embodiment of body horror, the Nupepo. Its name comes from the slang term Nupiri, which is used to describe women who use too much makeup, despite the creature have nothing to do with makeup or women. The name most likely refers to the creature's facial features, which are difficult to detect on its misshapen form. Yokai.com describes it the best by saying, The Nupepo is a bizarre and creepy yokai found in ruined temples, overgrown graveyards, and other dilapidated or run-down areas. This creature is known for its revolting appearance and smell. It gives off a very strong odor of rotten meat. It looks like a large, flabby, and roughly humanoid chunk of flesh about the size of a child, with lumpy, undeveloped hands and feet, and vaguely indiscernible facial features. Luckily for us, this yokai is harmless and passive despite its disturbing appearance and revolting odor. There are stories of samurai driving this creature away from a castle, and contrary to its doughy appearance, the Nupepo was very fast and outran the guards. Some of the guards it ran by got a whiff of this foul fiend and passed out due to its noxious smell. Although if one does manage to catch this rare yokai, they might ingest the flesh as it is said to have supernatural medical properties and might even grant eternal youth. Of course, you have to keep it down, which is difficult due to its rancid taste. Some state that this being might be made up from the parts of multiple dead bodies due to its bizarre misshapen form and foul smell, so kinda like a flabby Frankenstein. Others believe that it is the result of a failed shape-shifting attempt from an animal like a kitsune or a tanuki which is a fox or raccoon dog, respectively. As mentioned earlier, yokai also encompass urban legends. Creatures in urban legends are common everywhere. Bloody Mary is arguably the most famous one in the United States, for example. Akamanto in Japan bears some similarities. Its name means red cloak. This is a bathroom yokai, so it inhabits older or seldom used bathrooms, typically in a school. The phenomena usually takes place in a specific stall, and more likely than not, it is the fourth stall. This is because in most Asian cultures, the number four is considered unlucky, much like the number 13 is in Western cultures. This tetraphobia is due to the Japanese word for four is she, which is also the word for death. Some hotels or hospitals in Japan don't even list a fourth floor. So the legend of the Akamanto goes something like this. A student has no choice but to use the older restroom that everyone avoids due to its reputation of being haunted. The student uses the bathroom and when they are finished, they reach for the toilet paper, only to discover that there is none. That is when they hear a strange voice. Do you want red paper or blue paper? The student answers red paper and is immediately stabbed and slashed up so that blood sprays everywhere and covers their body like a blood red cloak. Time passed and another student is forced to use the haunted restroom and the student also hears the voice. 
Do you want red paper or blue paper? Remembering the previous incident, the student answers blue paper. Then the student is found later strangled to death. His face turned blue. Other more kid-friendly variations of the legend states that the skin of the victim will permanently turn red or blue depending on the answer chosen. There are many variations on what Akamanto actually is. Sometimes it is a serial killer hiding in the next stall. Sometimes it is a ghost with a sickly face. And other variations state that it is a monster called Kainade, who lives in the toilet and strokes the victim's rear end with a red or blue hand. Your best bet in any variation of the Akamanto legend is to answer, I don't need any paper which will buy you enough time to escape a violent, or at least traumatizing fate. And rounding off this mini so we have the scariest, most gruesome, and vile yokai ever, a sheet of cloth, as the translation of its name means a length of cotton. This, of course, is the Iten Momen, a Sukumogami. To remind you, a Sukumogami is an inanimate object that acquires a spirit after turning 99 or 100 years old and becomes alive as a result. The Iten Momen is a long, narrow cloth that flies through the skies at night. It is occasionally depicted as having eyes and sometimes even arms and hands. This yokai is very different than other Sukumogami in that it is far more malicious in nature. It will find and attack humans by wrapping itself around the victim's face and smothering them. So if this yokai scares you, you might just keep some scissors on hand. Better safe than sorry. And that wraps up this minisode. Pun not intended. I hope you enjoyed our small series on yokai as much as I enjoyed researching them. Japan is overflowing with culture, and luckily for us, that includes monsters and folklore. I know I was just listing creatures rather than telling stories, but I believe the creatures themselves are bizarre and entertaining enough to do an entire episode on. I hope you agree. If you like the podcast, please leave a rating and tell your friends about us. We are a small podcast that is really trying to grow. After all, the more the merrier. If you have a question, comment, suggestion for a future episode, or a story of something you have experienced, please contact us on social media or email us at snipehuntpodcast at gmail.com. You can also vote for topics on our poll at patreon.com slash snipehunt. Big shout out to my regular co-host Gary. I will see you on the next full episode. The yokai of Japan are documented so that they read like they are real creatures. Yet they are so bizarre, they seem like fantastical works of fiction. They are extremely diverse, encompassing many entities that can be benevolent, mischievous, or malevolent. Although some are undoubtedly the result of works created for entertainment, they are so numerous and so detailed, how many, do you think, are based in truth? Whatever the case, the yokai definitely embody frightening folklore. Once again, we want to thank you for listening to Snipe Hunt. Your listening has been noted and will be reported to the proper authorities. All audio used was done so under the protection of fair use. Logo design is by Ethan Rothfuss. The music used for this episode was composed by Mayu and Nature World 1986. We'll continue to search for the unexplained and we'll hopefully see you on the next hunt.